Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to the Liverpool Echo's Blood Red podcast. We've got something a little bit different for you this week, a midweek special during the international break. I'm your host for today, Patrick Smith, and what we'll be doing on this show is identifying some potential transfer targets for Liverpool in the summer. But don't worry, listeners, it's not going to be more Jude Bellingham Waffle or Josco Vardiol or those sorts of players. We're going to be suggesting some more obscure shouts that Liverpool could go for in the next transfer window. Well, join me today on this scouting mission are two of the best young brains the Echo Desk has to offer. Up first is Keith McDonald. Welcome along, Kiefer. Afternoon, gents. Looking forward to talking about someone who isn't named Jude Bellingham, so I'm sure, as I'm sure we all are. So, uh, yeah, plenty of names to, to dig through this afternoon. Yeah, well, so listeners, if you're sick of hearing about Jude Bellingham, we're sick of talking about it as well. So we're going to give you a bit of a break from that today. And we're also joined for the first time in a while by Tom Cavillo. Welcome back to the pod, Tom. Hi, yeah, it's been a while actually. Um, so yeah, good to be back on. So get into today's episode talking about some targets. Yeah, good ones come back to us. Well. Something a bit more unique, I think, isn't it? Um, so the plan for the show, as I said, we'll work our way through the defence. We'll suggest a centre half and a right back. The midfield will suggest a number six and a box to box player. And then in the attack as well, we'll suggest a player there that Liverpool could potentially bring in the summer. You know, it's been made pretty clear by Young Klopp and FSG that a big summer rebuild is on the cards. So without further ado then, well, let's begin at the back. Kiefer, let's start with you then as well. Do you want to talk us through your choice at centre-back? Yes, yeah, so I'm going for Paul Torres from uh, from Villarreal. Um, obviously, Liverpool haven't been linked with too many centre-halves this year. If you compare it to the midfield, really, there's obviously been a lot of names mentioned. So, obviously, I don't think there has been actually any links at all with Liverpool. I know he's obviously been linked with Everton and previously Manchester United, but... Just from having you know watched Villarreal last season, and and I remember the Europa League final, he was he was pretty decent left footed. I think he was even linked with a move to Chelsea at the time as well. Um, so now I think he I think he'd do well. Um, it seems that like maybe his time to to move away from from Villarreal could be coming. Obviously they've lost you know obviously lost a manager didn't they in Unai Emery earlier this season. Um, obviously Dan Juma has gone to gone to Tottenham Hotspur on loan. So maybe that team of that, that obviously reached the semi-finals of the Champions League is, is slowly being broken up little by little and, and maybe he could be the next one to, to kind of pave way. Obviously, Villarreal punching massively above the weight in, in European football. And as I say, he's a left-footed centre-half. He's, he's of a decent age. Um, I've got his Wikipedia. He's, he's 26, so, you know, he's kind of can come into his prime if, if he did move to, to Liverpool, the Premier League in, in the coming years. As I say, he'd add some balance. I know Liverpool like to play with, obviously, Van Dijk on the left because, obviously, those kind of outpours that he's capable of are... You know, so kind of destructive in attacking areas and setting up attacks for the likes of, you know, Salah or Harvey Elliott, whoever's on that right-hand side. But I think if you're looking long-term, how many players have got the passing ability that Van Dijk has, you know, obviously not many. So maybe we might see Jürgen Klopp and Liverpool revert back to a more kind of classic thing of, you know, left, left-sided left centre-halves. Sorry, left-footed centre-halves on the left side and right-sided, uh, right-footed centre-halves on the right. Um, you know, obviously on, on the right, you can have, you know, Ibrahim Canate, Joe Gomez, obviously they're still young. So I think maybe that is just a gap 
that you could plug. As I say, I haven't watched loads and loads of him, so I couldn't, you know, I couldn't reel off his Wikipedia, even though I've got it in front of you right now. Um, but as I say, he's, he's obviously clearly got a talent there and obviously he's in the national team, obviously a decent amount of caps there too. So, you know, he's certainly a player that, you know, if, if he was to come to Liverpool, if, 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 in, if, if that happened in the coming years, you, I don't think anyone will be turning their nose up. Um, but in terms of, um, we're going on to right-backs now, we're going to... Uh, we'll, we'll go for Tom's centre-back oh. next as well. But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting choice, Patois, just to talk on him. I mean, we've seen him play against Liverpool, haven't we? You know, played well in that Villarreal team for Spain. A more progressive, ball-playing centre-back left foot. So I think, you know, the attributes that Liverpool certainly look for. Um, but yeah, Tom, who's your choice at centre-back? Yeah, I'm, I'm going back to Benfica after Darwin Nunez's uh, raid. Going to go for Antonio Silva, centre-back. Um, he's only a young player, but... I think he's already, you know, made a big impression at Benfica. You know, this season they're doing really well in the league and the Champions League, and he's been a big part of that in the league. I think they've only conceded 14 goals in 25 games, so that sort of just shows you the level of um, that he's been playing at and the rest of the Benfica defence. As is often the case, though, with Benfica, you know, they tend to produce a lot of good players uh, through the ranks and then make a lot of money on them as well. So I think Silva's contract at the moment he's got a hundred million euro release clause I think it is and that's been reported so I can't see Liverpool necessarily wanting to to trigger that um if they're going to try and sign Jude Bellingham as well um so it may be a case of having to put a bid in and seeing what happens there but I, I'm pretty sure Liverpool won't be the only ones that are looking at him as well that's the problem contract I think runs till 2027 so Again, Benfica will probably get a decent fee for him. But, um, yeah, like I said, he's a younger player. He's one you're buying for the future, but he's already performing at a high level. And I think it would probably be a good investment. It's just whether Liverpool would be willing to, you know, they'd probably have to pay upwards of 50, 60 million for and that's the only thing. But I think that's the going rate these days, isn't it, for any good player? So um, unless they... You know, managed to find some sort of Joel Matic deal again, getting someone in on a free transfer like that. But I'll go for um, for Silver on centre back. Yeah, absolutely. A very exciting young player. You know, Benfica being absolutely raided for their young talent by the Premier League. <laughs> I mean, it really wouldn't surprise us to see him in the Premier League, would it? But as you said there, there is a case where Liverpool do potentially need two centre halves. I mean, Joel Matic is the one that's been rumoured to leave this summer that you know this contract's going to have 12 months left on it there's talk of maybe trying to sell him to free up some cash and that Phillips may want to move somewhere so that leaves two spots and I think you know getting someone young in like Antonio Silva could be a great shout along someone maybe like Paul Torres or the player I'm about to suggest who is um, Evan Ndicke 23 years old French he plays for Frankfurt in the Bundesliga um, like Paul Torres he's a left-footed centre-back something I think Liverpool are really missing. I mean, I know I said we weren't going to talk about Josco Guardiola at the top of the podcast, but they need someone of that play style, I think, someone who's, you know, can run out of defence with the ball, who likes to come forward and play a bit. And I think having someone left-footed is really important as well and can sort of open Liverpool's play up at times because with Matip's form, it's been a bit sloppy. It seems very closed off at the back, I think. They seem to sort of, you know, go sideways a lot more than they went forwards in the past couple of years. But um, yes, yeah, so Evan and Dicker, very good player. Um, you know, six foot three, very physical. He looks pretty quick. I think you know they play quite a high line similar to Liverpool from what I've read on him. Um, you know, obviously wins a lot of his aerial duels, progressive ball playing centre back. But the main thing with him, I think, is contracts expiring this summer, so he's actually available on a free transfer now. You know, we're all kidding ourselves 
a little bit, thinking that FSG are going to splash loads of money. Free transfers, as Tommy mentioned there, Joel Matip was one. I think this could be a really good shout on a free transfer to bring him in. Still relatively young at 23. You know, that big physical presence. And also left-footed ball-playing centre-back is the exact thing Liverpool missing. And obviously, there are loads of clubs linked. I think almost every single club in the Premier League's top six has been linked with a move for him in January. So I'm sure that'll be even more intense in the summer. But yeah, there's a couple of options there at centre-back. And like I said, I think Liverpool could definitely do with, I think, getting two of them in and maybe trying to ship on Joel Matip and Nat Phillips. I think Nat Phillips will definitely want the move. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. But, um, anyway, so let's move on to right back then. The reason I put right back in this is after Jamie Carragher's comments on CBS's coverage of the Champions League, advising that Liverpool sign a backup right back, something more defensive maybe, or just someone to challenge Trent. I mean, it's quite a hard position to look for, granted. So, um, Tom, we'll come to you first on this one. Who have you gone for at right back? Yeah, it's a player Liverpool have been linked to before, actually. It's Max Ahrens from Norwich. I actually really like him. Um, games I've seen him play, you know, I've seen him a few times playing against Liverpool and also just a few of Norwich's other matches they've played in recent times. Always quite liked his style. Um, quite an attacking player, but like Trent going forwards. Um, I think as well, with him being a championship player, you know, it's all well and good going for the top players in Europe. But I think sometimes there is a market for going for players like that that we've seen in the past with Andy Robertson from Hull. Um, you know, you'd probably be able to get him for a decent fee. He's out of contract next summer. So I think he'd be available for maybe 15 million or so, something around that region. I think Norwich in the past have rejected sort of advances from other clubs. I think Arsenal may have been linked to him at one point. Um, I think they were holding out for quite a decent fee for him. But obviously, he, he stuck around there. But um, he's now approaching the end of his deal at Norwich. And, you know, if they weren't to get promoted this season as well, which it doesn't look like they they may not. I think they're currently just outside the playoff places. So if he's spending another season in the championship, he, he might be thinking, "Oh, I might, I might try and get a move this summer." Um, yeah, and I think he'd be a really solid option. To be honest, I don't think he'd be expecting to play every game. Obviously, with Trent being first choice still, but in terms of having a player that would be happy to be a backup and is not going to be expecting, you know, that's the problem a lot of the time. There's so many players that just want to be playing every game. I think he's someone that would probably accept, you know, I might not play every match, but he'd be like a go-to for all the early rounds of FA Cup and pretty much all the Carabao Cup and then just rotation in the Premier League. I think you couldn't really go wrong with that, to be honest. Um, he's still quite young as well. Um, 23 years now. So, yeah. I honestly think that would be a really good investment if, if they could pull that off. Um, linked to Jamal Lewis as well, one time on the other side, but uh, that didn't come off. But yeah, I, I do think um, it's a good option. And homegrown as well, that's another thing. Count as another homegrown player. Yeah, very, very good point as well on the homegrown front. I mean, that, I think that's the sort of player they need to go for, isn't someone who will accept being a backup because that's going to be difficult on its own because as I said there's actually not many right backs out there when you have a look the options are quite scarce and then convincing someone to come and play as a backup to Trent is difficult but yeah I think Max Aranzo has got a Premier League experience as well homegrown as you said ticks all the boxes for that one um Keith what are you going to go for at right back yeah I'm going to book the trend a little bit partly because of everything that Tom just said there I think he's hit the nail on the head it's such a you know such a difficult position for Liverpool to recruit we've obviously seen that on the other side with 
with Andy Robertson in, in kind of previous years and before the arrival of, of Kostas Simakas, you know, obviously how burnt out they, they both were and, and still probably both are. Um, and obviously Trent is probably more unique uh, than Robertson in in terms of, you know, how he plays and how he comes inside. And, you know, at times he, he often comes in as a centre midfielder and, you know, how many right backs can do that. It's, it's obviously such a difficult position and, and, you know, he is at times been Liverpool's system. So, you know, you, you could argue when, when he's on song, he probably is or certainly top three of Liverpool's most influential players. So how do you then go about, you know, sorting a replacement, you know, who's not going to be on loads of money, who's going to be happy to, as Tom says, you know, just play the early rounds of the cup and maybe rotate here and there. So I think it's a, a really difficult position. And I think obviously it's been highlighted more this year because obviously Trent has struggled. Um, but I think, as I say, I'm going to put the trend out. I think I'm going to stick with, with Calvin Ramsey. I know that's a bit of a cop out of an answer, but... I think it's obviously, again, very similar to, to Simicast in terms of his first season. I think he only played two or three games. I think one was in the, the League Cup against Arsenal. I think he played about 80-odd minutes in the, in the Premier League. And everyone was thinking, you know, why, why are they signing this guy? You know, what is, you know, what is, what is there to, to gain from it? But obviously, we saw with the proper pre-season and, and kind of Liverpool returning to their best when, obviously, they had a similar crisis to, you know, at the time with, you know, what happened at centre-half and, and those kind of issues. Um, and obviously, you can you can probably you know draw parallels with that this season in terms of the midfield and obviously how all the gaps are now you know starting to show because of that. Um, so obviously, it wasn't the ideal time to you know prior to his you know season-ending injury, it wasn't the right time to drop Calvin Ramsey in anyway. You know, he's obviously only 19 years of age. You know, had less than you know 30 professional games up in up in Scotland. You know, done really well by all means, but you know it's a completely different kettle of fish coming to the Premier League and, and playing for a team at like Liverpool. You know expected to have most of the ball, be be decisive in possession, break lines, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think, you know, next season will be a, a real reflection of what Liverpool have bought in terms of Calvin Ramsey. And I think, you know, I think it'll be, yes, it might be wise for him to go and sign, uh, you know, a right back, maybe someone who's a bit older, maybe a bit more experienced, you know, maybe looking, you know, not not sure of names off the top of my head, but someone who's maybe 29, 30, 31, who's, who's maybe looking for that last kind of contract, um, we maybe can put an arm around Trent at times and, and maybe give him that bit of advice and, and guidance. But I think, you know, if you look at Joe Gomez as well, who's, who's you know, probably not going to be partnering Van Dijk next year, it's probably going to be Canate. You know, you've got him at right back as well. I just don't think Liverpool, actually I know, as I said, there's been a lot of talk about Trent in the past 10 days or so, but I just don't think Liverpool need a, a right back this, this this summer. I just I just think there is other glaring um, necessities to, to kind of, put into this team to, to make it be able to compete at the, at the top of English football and European football again. And I just think, you know, it'd be very unfair to kind of cast Calvin Ramsey aside and, and whether, you know, they, they send him out on loan, I suppose, is a different question altogether. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure that assessment will come in pre-season and, you know, after two months of training on, on the tours and, you know, when Klopp gets a, a better look at him because, you know, you have to remember that, you know, when, when he did his first day of pre-season, obviously they detected something that wasn't picked up in the medical and he kind of missed that that whole tour of, of Asia and then I, I don't think he played in, in in Austria when they went over there and then all of a sudden he's playing catch up and he's only played two or three games so I think it'll be quite unfair to kind of cast him aside as a you know as a no good and, and all this kind of thing obviously he's still very young and obviously as I say it's a very difficult position to fill so you know I'm sure and I hope time will time will prove that you know Liverpool have already solved that problem in Calvin Ramsey and you know for what the fee was you know four or five million you know hopefully it proves to be a, a shrewd deal yeah Just absolutely as well we've got um Connor Bradley as well, haven't we? In that position, yeah. he he's been out on loan doing really well at Bolton. So I'm interested to see what what happens with him because yeah. from what from what we're hearing about from Bolton, you know, Ian Everett, the manager's 
loving him there, would want him back another season. But Liverpool might look at that and go, maybe we'll bring him back and give him a chance. So that would be one to, to keep an eye on as well. And that's maybe where you might get a situation where they swap with Ramsey. So they might bring, you know, Bradley in yeah. as, a, as a, you know, as a second choice to, to Trent. And then obviously, you know, Ramsey might go to the, to the championship or, or wherever they yeah. can deem, you know, suitable for his play style. And that would obviously be something that works really, really nicely because then I suppose in the summer of 2024, you've got, you know, Trent, who's going to be 25, 26, 27. And you've got two young fullbacks in the early 20s who have, you know, hopefully accumulated over 50 professional games, you know, so as Tom said, it's a it can change so quickly, and you know I think there's more you know options there than, than people perhaps realise. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the point with Calvin Ramsey as well. It's kind of harsh suggesting Liverpool to buy a backup right back because they did last summer. It's Calvin Ramsey. He's just been so unlucky with injury. But yeah, Connor Bradley as well playing well. I think the case of those two players, I think they need another season of at least championship experience under the belt. They need to be tested at a tougher level. I think particularly Connor Bradley, um, just to see if you know they have had that capabilities to play for Liverpool as a backup right back but um, I mean it's certainly an interesting one the option I've gone for now as we said there probably isn't going to be much budget free for this position because obviously the priority will be centre midfield I think a couple of midfielders and then a centre half so that doesn't leave much budget so again I've gone for another free transfer <laughs> don't worry this is my last free transfer of the five I'm suggesting today but um, so yeah I've gone for some Premier League experience in Nelson Semedo a bit more of an older option now. Liverpool don't tend to sign players in their late 20s. It's normally players, you know, just coming into their prime. But um, I've gone for Nelson Semedo, the Wolves right back. He's 29. His contract's up this June, June 2023. Um, he's a very quick right back. He's relatively solid. You know, he does pretty well in tackles. He's got decent dual success ratios. Um, obviously, good enough going forward as well. He likes to dribble a lot and run out sometimes too much for his own good. But I feel like that could be a very good level for Liverpool because he's the, the same level, I'd say, as a Costa Simicas, who can come in and is, you know, he's played for Barcelona for always played for the Champions League. I mean, the only game that comes to my mind is the 8 2, I think. So that's not the best example. But he's played at the top level. He's played for Barcelona that, you know, all those matches. I think it's like 80 odd league matches he's played. So I think someone like him would be a good option, just a bit more experience in the squad. I feel like, you know, with this contract expiring, you may look for one last, you know, big club to go to. But then on the flip side of that, it's going to be very difficult to convince him to say, right, you're going to come here and play 10, 20 matches in a season, not 30 or 40 that you used to. That's where the problem's going to line up. But I think someone a bit more defensive-minded, maybe like him, you know, a bit older, a bit more experience in there in the squad, rather than throwing in one of the young lads, you know, Ramsey or Bradley, it can be a bit daunting you know if you chuck one of them into a premier league match let's say god forbid trent gets injured next season so the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo yeah nelson Semedo is the one i'm going to suggest there um Kiefer, let's come back to you then into your holding midfielder who are you going to go for in that one declan rice and I, I know he's probably a name that people are Maybe not as sick of as Jude Bellingham, but he's he's been another tentative name linked with with Liverpool, and probably to be fair, you know every top six club, you know in in the country over the past you know eighteen months or so. And before we were doing this pod, I was I was shocked to find out. I'm, I'm not sure if it's a sign of age catching up with me or what, but he's got 39 England caps. I don't know why that is so shocking, but obviously he's only 24 years of age, um, and I just think he's an absolutely brilliant footballer, and, and perhaps. I'd, I wouldn't say he's underrated because he's obviously the, the, the you know the, the key figure of that that West Ham side and kind of the linchpin and obviously everything they did in Europe last year. He was the captain on field and, and all that. But I, I just think you know certainly in terms of England, when you look at the superstars you know that play ahead of him, 
I think obviously in the World Cup you had um, obviously Jude Bellingham and, and Henderson forming a really good kind of midfield partnership with, 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 with in front of Rice. And then obviously you've got the likes of Foden, Grealish, Rashford, Kane, Sterling, all of those. So I think he, he is somewhat underrated. Obviously his his transfer, you know, his transfer fee certainly won't be. I'm sure West Ham will be, you know, squeezing every penny they can they can get out of him. I think he's got a year left on his on his contract. I think it expires uh, next summer. Yeah, so ne- it expires next summer. So you're probably looking at you know, 60, 70, 80 million if you're West Ham rather than than losing him on a, a free next year or, or something like that. But yeah, I just think in terms of what Liverpool need, I think obviously, you know, Fabinho's had kind of had his problems that everyone's seen this year. But even when Fabinho's been on song, I still think Liverpool could, could, can always do with another defensive midfielder. I just think they've never had the depth. And I know Klopp, you know, through time has obviously rotated with Jordan Henderson, but that's clearly not his preferred position, which he's gone on record and said, you know, numerous times over the years. Um, and, 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 you know, games like, you know, if you take last week at the Bernabeu, for instance, you know, where you're, you're playing a something which I'm sure we'll see more of from Liverpool, you know, 4-2-4 or 4-2-3-1. I think to, to maybe have two players like that who are, you know, so defence, not def- defensively minded because obviously Rice is, you know, he can drive with the ball and, and kind of break lines and that kind of stuff. But I think to have, you know, two players who are comfortable at holding their own, you know, where they've got four or five attackers in front of them. I think when everyone saw the team news last week and it was, it was Milner and Fabinho, I think everyone was like, oh, you know, there's every chance Madrid could could score here after five or ten minutes. Obviously, that wasn't the case, but there's always that there's always that kind of worry. So I think if, you know, if you, if, if you did bring him in, Obviously, just talk that Fabinho could go, but I think he's certainly someone, given the age profile, and, and as I said, given that he can also play a bit further forward, he's he's someone that could work alongside Fabinho, and and obviously with, you know, the likes of um, Thiago and Henderson, you know, entering kind of their mid thirties, thirty one, thirty two, thirty three, I think it'd be a, a really smart move for Liverpool. Obviously, it would be expensive in the, in the same way Jude Bellingham was, but I suppose that the guarantee with 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 Rice, why is he's not a direct replacement for Bellingham? I suppose you know what you're getting with him in terms of he's he's been there and done that in the Premier League. He's you know played over 200 games with West Ham. Whilst with Jude Bellingham, as as great as he has been in the Champions League, you know in the World Cup, in in the Euros or wherever he's kind of played, I just think if you're bringing in a 19 year old for such big money, and he's got to kind of become adjusted to a new league, and you're you're spending that kind of money, you're expecting him to hit the ground running, which is very likely not going to be the case because a how many Jurgen Klopp signings hit the ground running anyway because of the system and, and the demands on and off the ball um and also again he's 19 so it's like there's every chance as we've seen with Sancho who's obviously I think two three years older you know he kind of lit up the Bundesliga but still you would say hasn't hit the heights that were maybe expected of him you know when he first signed for United so I, I think there's obviously that security as well and, and obviously the point Tom touched on earlier is the homegrown status could become a bit of a, a worry for Liverpool um I think if obviously we, I imagine James Milner will probably get an extension of some kind but you know there's every chance you lose Kelleher this summer Phillips as well um you know so Oxlade Chamberlain's going to go so just, you know I think to kind of address the area whilst it might be expensive in terms of 60 70 80 million I'm sure for what you get in terms of longevity with Rice, ability, and obviously the homegrown thing, I'm sure it'll prove to be worth it for, you know, whichever Premier League side he does eventually sign for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, any player who joins a young club side does struggle to adjust to the pace, particularly when they move from a foreign league. And that's one of the huge pluses there for Rice. He already plays in the league. I think as a six, it'll be slightly easier than moving into that midfield as a box-to-box. Because if Jude Bellingham signs, 
he's going to have to hit the ground running. They're expecting the best midfielder in the world to be playing for Liverpool the minute he joins, which could be quite problematic for him, I think. Whereas, strangely, I feel like there'd be less pressure on Declan Rice if he were to hypothetically sign for Liverpool. I don't know why that is, but I just feel that would be the case from you know national media. I think as well, we, sorry to jump in, Pat, I think well, as well with, um, with Bellingham, is, I think that's something that no one is, I've seen no one really highlighted, but the amount of football he has played probably since the summer of you, you know 2021, I would... I imagine he's probably played what probably about ninety five percent of Dortmund's minutes. If he hasn't, you know, picked up an injury or so, he's probably played near enough all the England games. Probably been included in all of the camps. And then again, to, to go again, you know, this this summer, obviously, he'll get a bit of time off. But to then go again straight into the Premier League is going to be come and play off. sixty games for Liverpool in all yeah, competitions, and, and you have to be their best midfielder. That's a lot of pressure, isn't it? <laughs> that's obviously the problems at Liverpool. Obviously, without kind of deviating into all that. That's like the problems that we've had this year. So, you know, to kind of throw all that in on a 19-year-old is, is a massive ask. But obviously, Rice, obviously, I know they've, they've played in, in the Europa League and the Conference League, but, you know, he's a bit more kind of experienced in, in terms of he's kind of gradually built that up throughout his career. Whilst Jude Bellingham, it feels ever since he has signed for Dortmund, he's just been playing football, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, do you know what I mean, for, you know, for the last three years, which obviously long-term has, has kind of got its own issues. Yeah, um, I mean, Tom, what's your take on this situation with midfield? I mean, do you think they need someone more experienced? I mean, who's your suggestion for the holding role? Yeah, my take on it is, I thought this wasn't going to be a Jude Bellingham chat. <laughs> We've done it, <laughs> listeners. It only took 25 minutes. We did well. Um, no, I'm, I'm going for Ruben Neves. So, another experienced player. Um, he's played 169 appearances or made sorry 169 appearances at premier league level and he's only 26 so to already make that many at that age is quite um you know quite impressive really and he's another player that liverpool were linked to a few years ago actually as well when he was at porto this was years ago now it just it feels like he's been around for ages and he's only 26 so he recently turned 26 as well so you know he's someone that you know he knows the league he's done well at wolves um, you know, he's been a really important player for them in, in the times they have pushed up the table and gone towards the European places. I don't think they would have been able to do that without him and the team, probably. Um, he's out of contract next summer, is another one of those that's you know coming to the end next year. So Liverpool may be keeping an eye on it ahead of time. I don't know what Wolves', Wolves plans are. I would imagine they would want to keep him, but I've, I think I've, re I've read some reports recently saying that. It's looking more likely that he might leave because they're struggling to come to agreement over a new deal. So if that is the case, I think it would be well worth you know making an offer. Really, um, given he's out of contract next year, I mean, I guess the fee again—it's hard to gauge. Really, I mean, mm. it would probably be twenty million upwards. I would think um, he's not going to be you know eighty million pound player just because of his contract situation for a start. So I think it's a reasonable target. I don't think it's unrealistic. I know a lot of fans are getting frustrated because they feel Bellingham is an unrealistic target for Liverpool, but I, th I don't think you could say that's the same for Neves. Um, another thing I quite like about him is the goals from midfield element. So, you know, we've seen it loads of times, all these goals he scores from outside the area, done it absolutely hundreds of times for them. Liverpool don't really have a player that does that anymore. I was going to say, when's the last time yeah. you saw a Liverpool player score from outside the box? I mean, it's very Gerard's rare, isn't like, it? Yeah, Gerard's like one of the only ones. I mean, Coutinho used to do it quite a bit. Apart from that, there's no one really. We don't really get many goals from midfield. It's it's, it's just all on the attackers most of the time. Um, 
I kind of felt Naby Keita was going to be that player a little bit, chipping in with the goals, but that hasn't happened. Um, so, yeah, I think he would be a good addition to the team if, if they could go and get him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's also got that captain experience as well. He's a real leader for Wolves, which would be massive for Liverpool dressing room, I think. Massive in the midfield. He's such a presence. And as you said there, you know, he, he takes set pieces as well. He's good at shooting from distance. I think that's something Liverpool definitely needs to add in to their midfield. Um, I mean, that's a similar profile to my sentiment I'll move on to in a while. But um, as for my number six, I've got probably the one I'm most excited about from this list. I've watched a YouTube montage and I'm convinced he's going to be the best midfielder in the world. Um, it's Kefren Turam, uh, 21-year-old, sorry, centre midfielder, defensive midfielder from Nice. Uh, he can sort of play anywhere across the midfield. Though. He can play box to box. He's even played a bit further forward. But I think he plays holding midfield for them. I can't say I've watched many Nice matches. But because he's six foot three, you know, very physical, dominant presence. He's actually really quick and quite agile too, given he's that tall and such a big physical man. Um, he's the son of Lillian Saram as well. And him and his brother, Marcus, have both recently called up for France. So obviously runs in the family, the uh, footballing genes. Yeah, he's got 10 goal contributions in 40-odd games this season. He's got really good numbers for holding midfielder in a creative sense. I mean, um, he's created 25 chances and only got four assists from them, but he's you know making those chances for his team. Really good pass accuracy in the high 60s for dribble success ratio. So, he's, you know, he's clearly confident on the ball. He's just an all-round machine. I think he'd be a really, really good signing. He's a really exciting player. Um, he's quite highly touted. I think he's sort of mature many of this season if you like and um, so he's probably going to be around the 50 million mark i'm not sure if Liverpool will have that budget for him is the only problem i mean you know let's please say they get jude bellingham the money isn't going to be there for that i don't think um i mean there's a couple of free options i've looked at midfield just like a quick look there on transfer market and go Kante is on a free transfer potentially ilkay gundogan the one that's most exciting though is yuri tillemans i think could be definitely one they look at getting in for free because um Premier League experience early 25 years old, you know, just coming into his prime, I think that'd be a great one. But um, yeah, just to go back to, to Ram, I think he'd be a really, really exciting player for Liverpool to go for. I'd really like to see him in there. The physicality, I think, is such an important thing as well, because it's quite a weak Liverpool midfield we've seen this season. They've, you know, the Liverpool midfields of old would dominate their opponents in running distance, presses, sprints, challenges, aerial duels. They'd almost win every single category, every match when they had that massive unbeaten run. And this season, we've just seen them be bullied non-stop. So I think in the six, if you're signing someone, I definitely want to see someone like Tarami, who's a big physical presence and can bring some energy and dynamism into the midfield. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Um, let's move on then to our box-to-box players. Tom, we'll come to you on this one. Who are you going to go for there? Um, do you know what? So I was going to mention Tielemans as a you know another midfield option because I, he's a player I do like and like you said he's out of contract. Just don't know whether Liverpool would, I don't know, view him as someone that could adapt to the system. I guess I, 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 every time I watch him, though, I, I really like him. I think he's a really good player, but I just don't know whether Liverpool would like have him really high up on their list of players. But I would be open to it if, if that was if that was considered. Um, the other player I was going to mention was Mateus Nunes, another Wolves player. We should do a double deal. Maybe if we get a discount like we used to get from Southampton for all their players. Um, no, yeah, I know Liverpool were linked to him, obviously, in the summer. Didn't get him. He's gone to Wolves. He's done okay at Wolves, I would say. He, you know, he's not 
set the league alight, but I think he's shown glimpses of quality. Still young as well. Um, so, you know, if Liverpool did sign him, he's 24 now. Again, he's a player that's going to be around, performing at a high level for a number of years. Um, the fact that Liverpool were interested in him and, and still are sort of suggests that there's every chance Liverpool will come back in for him in the summer. If Wolves were to go down, obviously that changes things too because they'd be more likely to to be selling a few of these players. So, yeah, I guess it's one we have to keep our eye on, but I would definitely be open to Nunes as well. Just think he's a little bit different to what we've got um, at the moment at Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely. He's one I would definitely be interested in. Really exciting box-to-box player. He's got it all really, isn't he? All-round player, quick as well. Would suit the Gagan pressing system, I believe. I mean, it's, I always go back to this point I made on a podcast last year. I think Liverpool, as a double raid, you mentioned there at Wolves. They should have gone for a double raid on Sporting Lisbon, I think, because yeah. they could have got Mateus Nunes and Jao Palinia. I thought he was a brilliant player then. He's been so good for Fulham this season. It's so frustrating to think... They could have probably signed both those players for 50, 60 million together, whereas now they'll likely cost 50 million each. I mean, yeah. the way the no, playing market is another really one. frustrating, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Go on, go on, talk about Apollinia. No, I was just saying that's another good suggestion. Yeah, I think yeah. He, like we've seen it full in the scene and he's been really good. So all the sporting, we should just set up a, you know, a new system in Portugal. That seems what all the other teams are doing as well. Just... <laughs> Just sign players from the Portuguese. Yeah. I mean, it's frustrating to think. I mean, hindsight is a wonderful thing, obviously. But, um, Kiefer, who are you going to go for then in your centre midfielder role from over eight slash ten, maybe? Well, you've, you've name checked quite a few of them, to be fair. Obviously, Tielemans, Tielemans is, is another one that, as, as Tom said, I think he's been linked with Liverpool for you know the, the last three or four years. And you maybe think, I, I thought, especially when Wijnaldum left, maybe they were both of a similar profile and you know, in terms of athletic and, and can do both sides of the game very well and and, and still add goals um goals from midfield which as you say Pat is, is a massive issue that Liverpool you know haven't been able to to solve in, in, in recent years. Um and I'm surprised that he hasn't you know had, had a big move. It feels like maybe a Tottenham or an Arsenal certainly would have been the next step of, of his development. But obviously with with Leicester you know doing as, as poorly as they have done this year and obviously with him out of contract it appears that he will walk away um, you know, at the end of the season on, on free transfer, and I'm, I'm sure you'll have, uh, I'm sure you have plenty of suitors. I'm, I'm, I think Arsenal were quite heavily linked in the summer, weren't they? Um, I suppose the flip side of that is, you know, what comes with it in terms of wages. Maybe, maybe you're compromising that aspect of if there's no transfer fee. You know, he's obviously going to get a big wage, and, and obviously with Arsenal, you know, challenging at the top in the league, I'm sure they'll want to sustain that position. So maybe they'll be more willing to, to do that than Liverpool. I think it's quite difficult at the moment because it's so uncertain where Liverpool will be this time. You know, next year or even in a couple of months in terms of what competition we'll be playing with. So it is quite difficult, but um, obviously Mason Mount is, is is another one where, you know, an, another big name that's obviously been linked with Liverpool quite regularly. It offers you that versatility, could could obviously do a job if needed, which I don't think he would be needed um, in the front line, but he, he can do that. Obviously play kind of a, off the strike in a, in a 4-3-2-1 under Thomas Tuchel. Um, again, adds goals from midfield. His runs from deeper are really good. And I think he just... You know, I think collectively, obviously we did the podcast the other day and we did kind of touch on Mount. And I think obviously a lot of Chelsea players have maybe hit a slump now because there's been so much turmoil since, you know, since the Abramovich stuff. You know, when was that last February? That's obviously been about 12 or 13 months now where the club has just been in complete disarray. And and then obviously when they kind of did get a bit of stability during the summer, obviously the manager goes and they bring in, you know, Graham Potter. So I think it is quite hard to judge Mount at the minute. And, you know, as it 
as it sounds, a lot of Chelsea fans probably aren't too happy with him at the at the moment, which I don't really get. I can understand his gripe, but not you know getting not being rewarded in the same manner that you know the likes of Reese James have. But I think again, not that Liverpool should sign all the players for homegrown, but he ticks that box, doesn't he? Obviously, the the, the big worry is, I suppose, is how much is the transfer fee going to be because he has got one year left on his deal. Maybe similar to kind of Oxley Chamberlain. I think Theo was saying on the podcast the other day, you know. Would Liverpool be viewed to be overpaying for him? My kind of response to that was, well, 35 million then is probably the equivalent of 50 million now with the, with the way the market's gone. So I think if you look at him for there or thereabouts, I think, you know, everyone collectively and, and I suppose Chelsea as well would, would shake hands and think it was a, a good deal. Um, and the other thing I, I really do like about Martin is that I feel that every time a new manager's come in, I feel like he's been written off. Obviously, when Lampard came in, Obviously, Chelsea had a transfer ban and he was kind of the star of that alongside Reese James, Tammy Abraham, Tamori. Um, and then when Tuchel came in, it was a thing of, oh, Lampard only played him because he had that loyalty and he had him at Derby and this, this and this. And then he proved, you know, Tuchel wrong and and, and helped Chelsea to a Champions League, you know, second Champions League trophy. And then even at South, even at international level, there was, you know, talk of, you know, Southgate preferring him. And I think he's proven, you know, nine times out of ten when he has put the English shirt on that he's, you know, worthy of that level and worthy of pulling on you know the, the shirt and then obviously under pottery you know again this is where maybe you, you draw the line but it's obviously been a bit of a, a chaotic time at chelsea but you know i, I think you i think he'd be brilliant and to, to go back and like him to oxlade chamberlain i think they're both at that stage of their careers where you know i think they're probably both at similar ages about maybe what 24 25 it feels like they both need even though that's kind of been viewed as their club from young it, it, they i think they both kind of needed that that next step maybe something a bit a bit more refreshing it seems like Arsenal at the time, obviously, again, we're a bit of a mess post-Wenger. Um, and, and obviously, Chelsea kind of needs to kind of sort their stuff out. Um, so, I think I think he would jump at the chance of joining for Liverpool. Obviously, he's a really hard worker off the ball and obviously, you know, brings you quality on the ball. And, and again, to go back to it, which, you know, to, to bang the drum, but Liverpool do need goals from midfield. We, we, how many times this season has the game been crying out for a moment of magic? You know, where, where City is, you know, you only have to go back to that final day of the season when Gundogan popped up with, I think it was two goals, wasn't it? against Aston Villa to, to win the league and, and Liverpool just don't don't have that. Obviously they have such an array of talent in the in the attacking you know positions that nine times out of ten they don't need goals from midfield. But you know even those game the, the game at Crystal Palace the other week, you know, even even the Bernabal last week, you know, where, where the games are tight and and maybe it's in and around the box and you just need someone to have a bit of quality, have a bit of composure, take another touch. And I just feel that like Liverpool do lack that at times. Um so you know I'm sure Mount Mount can, can bring that in abundance. So I, I would be I'd be delighted to see him if he, if he does come to Liverpool. It sounds like obviously it's, it's kind of edging closer by the day. Obviously, every day he doesn't sign a contract at Chelsea. You know, he, he kind of edges towards the door. So, you know, fingers crossed if Liverpool can, you know, get a deal like that done. And then, as as we've said, complement him with other players. You know, whether that be a Ruben Neves or a younger player or you know Drew Bellingham. I think I think it would be a really promising summer. Yeah. Absolutely. He's one I'd really like to see him bring in, actually. I think he'd suit Liverpool's system so well. It's um, good the comparison you make there with Oxlade Chamberlain as well. I've never actually thought of that because they are they were at similar stages. Now we're talking about Mount signing to when we signed Oxlade Chamberlain. I mean, Chamberlain, I think, could have been a brilliant player for Liverpool. It's such a shame the injury problems he had. But they're both similar in the sense that they're attackers that are being played for the fall at the pitch, but that actually suit playing as a centre mid for Liverpool. I mean, Chamberlain could have been that player. I'm convinced Mason Mount could be a really good centre midfielder for Liverpool. I won't be playing him on the left as he's played for England sometimes or in a 10 role that he's played for Chelsea. I'd make him a box-to-box midfielder because he's got that creativity with him, as you said. He scores goals. Liverpool desperately need that from midfield. But also he's got that energy as well and that engine on him that he can press. And I think he will press, you know, very well for Liverpool. Um, 
solid in defence as well, wins a lot of duels, he never shirks a tackle. I think he's absolutely the one they need. But um, moving on, and I've got a bit of an obscure shout here for a centre midfielder. I think it's the absolute ideal player profile that Liverpool need in midfield, as we talked about. Creative players, set piece takers, goal scorers. It's Okan Kirkchu, or I don't know if to say it, it's K O K C U. Um, I, I think it's Kirkchu, but um, yes, yeah, so he's a Dutch born Turkish centre midfielder. He's the captain of Feyenoord and he's only 22 years old. Uh, he, he came through their youth ranks, so I presume that's why he's been made captain at such a young age. But it's quite similar to Cody Gakpo in that he's you know, such an amazing young talent in the Dutch league, been made a captain from a young age. He's clearly got those leadership skills he's shown through. Um, but yeah, Kokchu this season, he's got 15 goal contributions in 32 games. I mean, obviously the Dutch league isn't much to go off, but he's got three goals and two assists in the Europa League. I think he's only played like six matches in it as well, so it's even more impressive. But yeah, as I said, he's a set-piece taker, really nice player of the ball, great passer. He likes taking long shots. That's something, you know, Tom was talking about earlier. We don't see very often. He takes shots from range and he's very effective at it. Um, I think with set-pieces is interesting though because... We've become so used to seeing Trent and Robertson take the corners and they're great crosses of the ball. I think corners is fine. But from free kicks, I mean, how many times have Liverpool scored a free kick in the past two years? Trent used to be very, very consistent at the moment through lockdown. He was you know, banging them in like there's no tomorrow. But I can't remember the last time Liverpool scored a free kick. I mean, it's such a rarity now. I think maybe not even scoring from them, putting good balls in from deep. I mean, we don't really see it that often. The only decent deliveries are from corners, really. Um so I think Kokchu in that sense would be very, very helpful. Uh, he's obviously not the most defensive minded is the con of him. He's quite small. He's, I think, five foot seven or five foot eight, relatively small player, not exactly a physical presence. So play more as a that eight slash ten, a um, bit more advanced. But he's still, you know, he's still box to box, he still gets stuck in. But he's also completely two-footed, which is quite a rarity as well. He's really similar to Santi Cazola, I think, in the sense that you know he's more than comfortable using either foot which is something that could definitely open up the midfield. I mean, we're talking about needing a left-footed centre-half to go at the back alongside a right-footer. I think having a two-footed midfielder who takes shots can, you know, just add that extra element of you know, the opposition won't know which way he's going to turn if he's going to shoot. I mean, I think that's something Liverpool could definitely add to the midfield. That's the sort of player I'd love to see them bring in. I mean, you know, hopefully, in fact, they get Bellingham, but if they don't get Bellingham, I think, you know, one of the number sixes we've named here, maybe a Ruben Nevers, I think probably one of the better shots or Declan Rice would be ideal. Bring in Kokchu, one of these, and then, you know, maybe someone else on a free like Tillemans, although we've just decided he wouldn't be a good fit. So there's that one. But I mean, it's certainly interesting on the field. There are options out there, I think, if it does go wrong and they don't get G Bellingham. I think they'll have to splash the cash and bring in three or four of the names we've mentioned there. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. But let's move on into the attack then, shall we? Our last player we'll pick for today now. I don't think Liverpool do need a starting attack. I think that's very obvious for me to say. But I think a backup option is something they definitely could make use of. Um, Kiefer, we'll come to you first then. Who are you going to suggest for your player and attack? Yeah, I've gone for Jonathan David, uh, a player they were linked with a few years ago. I think it was the summer of 2020. They kind of had the shortlist, didn't they? Obviously, Diogo Jota, um, Ismail Shamar, Saar, sorry, from uh, Watford, and, and Jonathan David. Um, I think he had just gone to Lille at the time, or I don't know if he was still again, but I think, I think he'd just done one season at Lille. Um, and obviously, he's kind of the sell at that point was Liverpool needed, you know, versatile, versatile forward, and, and those three kind of ticked the boxes um, after Liverpool missed out on, on Timo Werner. And uh, obviously, you know, Liverpool have done really well with, with Jota. Actually, just ran a piece earlier on him and just kind of 
and maybe he's gone a bit under the radar, you know, due to his injuries this season. But I would kind of, you know, as, as good as Jonathan David has been, I was just looking at his stats here. I think he's averaging one goal in every two games in, in the French league. He's obviously won the, the French title with, with Lille. Um, obviously, while he's, you know, being an excellent player, I'm sure he commander, you know, a big transfer fee. I really don't think, similar to the right back, I really don't think Liverpool need a, another forward this this summer. Um, obviously, I know Roberto Firmino will be going and, and maybe it would have been nice to keep him around for another year. But I think, you know, you look at the, you know, this season, Liverpool haven't had all of their attackers available together so I think when you throw that into the mix obviously the other night all four of them played which I wouldn't be surprised if we if we see in a 4-2-3-1 you know on a regular basis you know next season and then you've got you know the likes of Diaz or Jota or Nunes um or Gakpo even um you know coming off the bench um and then I think obviously you throw in Ben Doak's development which has you know been rapid I don't think anyone expected when he signed last year from from Celtic that you know within a year he would have made five or six you know, substitute appearances for the first team and, and really excelled through the ranks, you know, even to the under-21s with the fact of when you watch him at the academy, he's, you know, he, he's head and shoulders above that level and he's, what, four, four years, five years younger than some of the players he's playing up against. Um, so obviously his development is at a point now where I think you can get, get away with it for the rest of the season, keeping him in the 21s. Obviously there isn't a game really you throw him in between now and the end of the season. But, you know, I think next season, obviously you've got a massive decision of do you send him out on loan? You know, do you keep him around? Do you give him, you know, those games, as Tom's saying, the early rounds of the FA Cup, the the League Cup, you know, some of those those Premier League games? Because obviously we've seen that he can handle himself. Maybe he just needs that extra bit of composure. But obviously the last 17, so there's obviously plenty to go out. He'll have another pre-season. So I just think maybe there Liverpool stumbled across. I say stumbled, obviously, you know, the scouts did brilliantly to find him and, and kind of identify that he wanted to leave Celtic. But I just think maybe given his development, I think it just rules anything out really for Liverpool. I just, especially when, when the players were talking about, certainly in midfield and certainly in defence, are going to command such huge transfer fees. I just think your priorities probably, you know, lie elsewhere. And and I know people have said, you know, had their say on Jota and maybe his injury issues and and obviously Nunes and, and maybe how he settled in, it wasn't as quick as everyone has expected. But with Jota, you'd hope now that he's, he's over the worst of it. You know, they were, you know two pretty freak injuries. Obviously, Nunes has got, well, he will have a full season under his belt and he's obviously getting better by the week. Gakpo's the same. Obviously, Diaz, again, another three or two freak injuries, if you want to say it like that. And then, obviously, you've got Mohamed Salah, which everyone knows the, the qualities and capability you know, that he can deliver for, for Liverpool. So, yeah, I think I think Liverpool are well stacked and, and obviously, I'm sure they'll be I'm sure they'll be alert to any situation changing in Europe if you know there, there is some targets that they've admired for a, a long time and maybe contracts don't go as they would have expected, they might really surpass. But I just think at the moment, you know, you've, you've got such an exciting player like Ben Doak and, and Kate Gordon, let's not forget, he hasn't kicked a football for 13 months. He's he's another one who can be, he was, I think he was, I think Ian Doyle said to me that he was the youngest player to, to start a major cup semi-final for Liverpool when he started at the Emirates in the, in the League Cup last season, which again, he was 17 at the time, which tells you the faith that Jurgen Klopp had in him and everyone at the club. So, yeah, I think there's there's enough knocking about within the academy at the top end. Um, and I think, obviously, even if that wasn't the case, I think, you know, the five options or the four options they will have next season um, in terms of those kind of four, Salah and, and the four of the players, I think is, is more than enough. Yeah, we'll absolutely be seeing more of Ben Doak and Kay Gordon, that's for sure as well, being two really, really exciting young players. But I mean, the strange thing is, at times this season, Tom, it's felt like Liverpool haven't had many attacking options off the bench, have they? I mean, we're going to get used to hopefully after the international break, to having those options back, you know, they'll be likely to be Luis Diaz and Roberto Firmino on the bench, you'd imagine, with 
I mean, and Jota as well, I mean, with Gakpo, Nunes and Salah. I mean, they've got six attackers now. Obviously, one of those and Roberto Firmino is going to be leaving. Uh, Keith, you mentioned the name Jonathan David there. I mean, if Liverpool were to sign another attacker to replace the Firmino slot, would you go for, you know, somebody plays down the middle or would you go for some more width? Um, yeah, it's a difficult one. Like Keith said, we've got a lot of options there now. I think we've the Luis Diaz injury is just, just kind of like, I think everyone's just not forgotten about him, but you just kind of plan the team around, you know, Diaz isn't here. But I'm actually starting to think about what they're going to do when he comes back in terms of who's going to be <laughs> playing up front next season. I'm interested to see how they decide that. Um, I do like the look of Gonzalo Ramos at Benfica, but I'm going to leave Benfica alone. He's already taken enough of their players. I'm sure he's going to be signed by someone else as well. Um, so Benfica will be... Uh, you know, in the money again, I imagine, this summer. But it's just a bit frustrating because a couple of the players I did like are already in the Premier League. I, I really liked Isaac. I thought that was Liverpool linked to him for a bit when he was at, at Real Sociedad. I thought that would have been a good signing. Obviously, he's now doing well at Newcastle. And then big fan of Alvarez at City as well. I think that would have been a player that probably would have fitted quite nicely into, into Liverpool's system. But I'm going to go for... Ismail Assar, someone um, Keith has already mentioned. He was on that 2020 shortlist Liverpool had. Um, they obviously opted for Jota in the end. And I know he's not necessarily like for like for Firmino in terms of the position, but he can play. I think he has played centrally a few times for Watford. Um, he's got 14 goal contributions this season. And when he has played in the Premier League, you know, he's generally done fairly well. Obviously, had that good game against Liverpool which I'm sure you remember which ended the unbeaten run that everyone all the rival fans loved and enjoyed so much um but yeah I go for him because I read a report on Monday I think it was from the Athletic saying he's likely to be sold this summer uh, he's out of contract next year so I'm guessing that's the reason for that then is, is obviously they don't want to lose him for free next year and and it looks like he's not going to agree a new contract at Watford He's been he's been linked, um, you know, with a move like loads of times. It's he's I think he's been close to leaving about three or four times now each year, and and Liverpool have been linked to him as well in the past. I remember, but I think you probably a bit like Neves. You could probably get him for kind of a cut price deal, maybe twenty million, something like that. And I think for someone, you know, the quality he's shown and his age as well, um, twenty five now. He's still a good age, so I think it would be a good good option for Liverpool. It's just, just whether where would he play and, and what, you know, where would he come into the pecking order of the attack? That's the. I mean, do you think he's good enough, Thomas? I mean, you know, he's had a couple of seasons in the Championship, albeit with you know a season in the Premier League in between, and he's still not had that move yet. I mean, do you think he's at the Liverpool? You know, to be a backup at Liverpool, or do you think he's shown that by you know he's currently a championship player? He was the same two years ago. I mean, surely he should be moving to the Premier, shouldn't he? Yeah, I think he's good enough for the Premier League. To be honest, I mean, if Liverpool don't sign him, they, there's every chance they don't sign him. But oh, you know, he would probably end up at a Premier League club. I can't imagine he'd stay in the Championship after Watford. I'd be really surprised if that was the case. I think Villa came really close to signing him in January. Uh, or, uh, sorry, last summer it might have been. Um, so there'd be a handful of Premier League clubs, I would imagine, that would like really like to have him. You know, maybe teams a bit 
you know, Aston Villa, Fulham, teams like that, I'd imagine there'd be a few clubs looking at him. But if Liverpool don't sign him, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But I just think he would be a good player to have in the team. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's certainly an interesting one. You know, he, he's been linked with Liverpool since 2020. Literally, we've seen him, you know, so many transfer rooms with him. But I do agree. I think he's the sort of player Liverpool need now. As I said, Roberto Firmino's leaving. That leaves a space in the attack. I think they should replace that position with someone who's quick, who can bring width, who can come off the bench and cause some problems down the line. I mean, you know, as you mentioned, Kay Gordon and Ben Dirk both fit that style of player. I think they definitely will be. But I mean, if, if you're hypothetically going to sign someone, the shot I've gone for is... Uh, Nico Williams of Bilbao, not Nico Williams of Nottingham Forest, not bringing him back as a winger. Unfortunately, as huge a fan of him as I am, but um, it's his namesake with an I, uh, plays Athletic Bilbao. He is the brother of Anaki Williams. Um, yeah, very quick Spanish winger, you know, brings width to the side. Really traditional in the sense that he likes to take players on, he likes to go on the outside, he dribbles past people. Um, he's got 13 goal contributions in 31 matches this season. He's got, you know, seven caps for Spain. He's only 20, turns 21 this summer. He's a really, really exciting player, I think. And it's just a good option to have off the bench. And as I said, he plays on the right-hand side naturally. I think that's the main focus you need if you're signing an attacker because Mo Salah doesn't often get a rest. There's no one that you can bring in that's an out-and-out right wing. I mean, we've got four left wingers almost now, haven't they? A couple of number nines slash... I mean, they're all suited to that left-hand side. They're all a bit uncomfortable when they play on the right. I mean, Jota's the one we've probably seen play out there the most. And whilst he does a job fine, he's clearly not his best position. There's no one that is a right winger. So, yeah, I think Nico Williams is one that I'd hopefully look to bring in. He's quite an exciting player. His contract's also expiring in 2024, so he's entering the last 12 months of it now. And, you know, I mean, we're all aware of how, what's the word, how strict Bilbao are on the market. I think they tend to, you know, squeeze every penny out of every sale they make. We've seen it with Under Herrera, Kepa, you know, uh, Laporte. They don't sell their players for cheap, and I think... You know, he's going to be around the 40, 50 million mark. Maybe you could get him cheaper because he's in the last 12 months of his contract. But it's an interesting one anyway. And I think, you know, they definitely need to bring some pace in off the bench. I think that's the one thing they're missing in attack when I think, you know, a game like Bournemouth, I think that really would have helped if you could bring someone on who's rapid, can just cause problems and get in behind, you know, get the defence playing backwards, not forwards, rather than, you know, those brilliant creative players we've got. I think it's just a different string to the bow that you could add. But anyway, yeah, so we'll leave the podcast there. There's plenty of work to do in the summer then, isn't there? I mean, Liverpool, if you need any scouts or any transfer recruiters, another backroom is emptying, you know, where we are, come and use our services. We've got some great shouts for you. But um, yeah, we'll wrap the pod up there. Thank you very much to Keith McDonald and Tom Cavilla for joining me. And of course, a huge thank you to all of you for listening and watching along as well. Make sure you subscribe to us on the Blood Red YouTube channel and whichever platform you get your podcasts from so you don't miss any of our daily brilliant podcasts, as I said. We've got Analyzing Anfield tomorrow and, of course, the Blood Red podcast on Friday. So make sure that you subscribe, everyone, so you don't miss those when they drop. But from myself, Patrick Smith, Keith McDonald, Tom Cavilla, thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you again soon. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.